Welcome to Reframe Your Mindset for Success. With me today is Don Sminker. Don has worked for over 35 years consulting and training executives. In fact, he's worked with over 7,000 CEOs across the globe. His books have actually been translated into 12 languages, specializing in leadership. And his research has been with anthropologists, neurologists, archaeologists, biologists, geneticists, and evolutionary psychologists. I'm really looking forward to speaking to Don and tapping into his mindset. Welcome to Reframe Your Mindset for Success. With me today, I've got Don Schminke. How are you, Don? I am great, thank you. Thanks for having me. Brilliant. And what have you been up to this week? Uh, trying to get my act together before I get on a plane again. <laughs> okay, where, where did you just come back from? Because I usually travel a lot. I mean, I've been in Chicago, LA. I'm back here on the East Coast. Okay. Heading up to Philly in about an hour. And then um, I think I'm going to Monterey uh, early fantastic. next week. So we yeah. 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 And, and what type of work have you been doing this week? Uh, mainly... Uh, you know, speeches, but I've been upgrading our uh, social media and uh, web stuff and getting my, um, I've got some online ed executive education courses that I started filming here in the studio, which is an yeah. old cigar room that I converted during COVID. Yeah. <laughs> so COVID forced me to be a film producer. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. So, so obviously you've had a, a really hectic and, and busy week. Now, as you know, I always start the podcast with your story. So really, it's, it's over to you in as, as many words as you, as you want to tell it. And obviously, I'll have some questions as we go. Oh, sure. Yeah, no problem. I, uh, how I got here in this research area for uh, leadership was not um, predicted because I, I guess my story was more academic because I was at MIT studying planetary physics and doing some work in AI and biomedical engineering and just a lot of different science and engineering areas. Um, and I thought that I was going to end up being um, more in, in medical research, but I left MIT, went to Hopkins and started uh, getting fascinated by human grouping behaviors. And um, that's where I, I really got focused on how humans organize. I uh, ran into a lot of people in the MBA programs yeah. that were um, frustrated with management theory. And so they asked me to, um, because of my background, could this be biological? And it was a fascinating question. Yeah. And so I began using anthropology and evolutionary psychology and genetics and you know all those things to try to understand why the failure rate of management theory was so high, okay. you know, and why so many CEOs were critical of consultants and why they were, you know, a lot of employees were jaded by the next, you know, organizational change program. And yeah. here we go again. And the next best-selling book. And I didn't know what was happening, but I knew that there might be common patterns. And so that's what got me into this. And then Oxford university gave me um, a really interesting uh, 
possibility of taking an ancient management training program and republishing it. So I had copyright now access for a manuscript they had. Yeah. And it was samurai 700 years ago. Wow. Okay. So that was great. Yeah. Yeah. And and I've seen, you know, the the, the number of books that you published and one of those, isn't it? It's like the code of the samurai and leadership lessons from it. Yeah. Yeah. The code of the executive was based on this manuscript where I thought, wow, executives today can use the same techniques that are so controversial. But when we started applying them in executive teams, it was like breakthrough. So now we do a lot of uh, this work in companies. And I train about 700 CEOs every year in workshops. And uh, it's been great. We've been in 100 industries helping CEOs that just increase the performance of their companies and their sales dramatically using these yeah. techniques. So it started there, it started with the samurai. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and has it been, you know, because obviously there's been an awful lot of change in the world of recent, you know, with the pandemic and lockdown and, mm. and this, I, I guess what a lot of people have experienced is virtual fatigue. And I guess CEOs, that you know, the, the work's been cut out, hasn't it? Because normally it would be anyway. So, so have, you, have you noticed any difference in the way people have worked and oh yeah 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 dramatically we used to do um and i still do this today i do maybe 70 or 80 speeches i've, I've done i've done about two thousand speeches uh on this topic and i always i use it as an opportunity for research and i always ask like how much how much does dysfunctional behavior impact your organization's performance yeah and I get ranges of like 20 to 80%, but it was average around 50. Something happened during COVID. It dropped to 33%. Wow. So in other words, okay. when people were looking at wasted time and gossip and backbiting and silo behavior and, yeah. you know, selfish, egotistical, you know, infighting and all that stuff, yeah. it dropped to 33%. I couldn't figure out why. And then it became obvious it's because the humans were not grouped together as much they were working remotely and it dropped you know and so uh and so i still do that test today and i'm like hey the 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 warning is this the humans are coming back (laughs) right absolutely you know how do we increase sales and um and retain talent because the other area that has happened is these these talent wars and I'm always even asked to give a few speeches just on that because people are um, losing people. Yeah. Um, it, because before it was more of a geographic barrier, like somebody in California is not going to steal from somebody from New York City. Yeah. But now yeah. they can. They can, yeah. Because the virtual. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, absolutely. So yeah. it's, it's raised the bar. And I see a lot of CEOs struggling with that. Yeah. So we spend a lot of time in various industries helping them fix that, you know, and like what's missing and how to, so finding and retaining talent is a big deal. COVID has just impacted industry. Absolutely. I think, I think what I found as well, going into organizations is is that generally organizations and their leaders, a lot of the time can be a condition of the organization. And what I mean Mm -hmm. by that is just the organizational conditioning means that if you've been there after a certain amount of time, you tend to act in a certain way. And that's why it's so important to bring that fresh talent in, you know, that, those fresh viewpoints into the organization. Yeah. Know, they, they bring in that the different <laughs> ways of doing things at the end of the day, and that cognitive diversity as well. Yeah. 
Yes. Right. Right. So, so yeah. as you, as you, in in your in your you know research and into to group collaboration, have have you done much traveling? Part of that. Oh, um, you mean uh, well before COVID a lot. I mean obviously because yeah. I was in two or three cities a week, and now I'm starting to do that again since last March. Um, but um, I would take I would do an expedition or some global excursion once or twice a year so I could study remote regions, ancient civilizations, um, tribes in various um, segments. So I can, because for me, I want to learn about how humans are biologically driven right. from a leadership perspective, yeah. how much of leadership is biological, okay. because that's the stuff. If we can tap into that, we have now broken through the high failure rate of management theory and then we're able to grow a company two to three times, in some cases, 10 times within a few years. So I like that because yeah. as a scientist, I like to see companies grow faster than any, um, any time in the past because this right. approach is just different and, uh, and, and they love it. I mean, the CEOs are, I have a following of thousands of CEOs following me around because wow, that, that, I that's really fantastic. enjoy That yeah. is fantastic. I mean, I, I did research recently into leadership of the hunter-gatherers and the hunter-gatherers, you know, from my understanding, used more of a hive proce uh, process of leadership, which was whoever had the right ability or skill, they would defer leadership to them. And you look at it in this day and age and you think, well, that would be brilliant, wouldn't it? Is that when it comes to collaboration, we actually then defer leadership to the person who's the most capable. So I, I don't know if that links into your biological uh, research at all? Yeah, yeah. About um, about thirty or forty years ago, we started implementing organic structures and organizations. Not everybody needs it, but in those areas that needed higher innovation, right. higher adaptability, higher acceleration of execution, things like that, it was organics became better. And and in in those structures, there are the pod or the team that you're part of. You can have you know rotating leadership based exactly on that. Yeah. So about thirty or forty years ago, I'm losing track now. We were like one of our companies was a Fortune uh, 100 firm, and uh, they won the Team of the Year award uh, for that. And um, that's what happened. You know, yeah. so it is possible. I think it's a a great insight you've got there. And yeah, we've seen it work now for many decades. So yeah, it can work today. Brilliant, brilliant. So, so as you know, that the podcast is about about mindsets and reframing your mindset. So, you know, based on what you've been doing in in your life in your career, why has mindset been so important to you? I think because it defines how we see reality. And so, if we're solving problems or making decisions, and we have the wrong mindset, then that's going to be a problem. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Definitely. So, how would you describe your mindset then? My mindset is to continually learn and teach. So I will focus my mindset on anything that can expand my capacity to learn okay. and to teach. And by teaching is publishing, giving speeches to cor at corporate events, yeah. um, you know, just sharing this in some way. And more recently, online delivery of uh, education. Uh, and so my mindset is just really around helping evolve civilization at some small level in the area of leadership. Wow. And so yeah. I'm always inquiring into that. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean that for me is is that you're tapping into a, a mindset of meaning and purpose there, because you know you're looking to improve human civilization. That in itself is a big purpose to have. You, you mm-hmm. know, when, when you're actually giving talks, because a lot of people will be listening in and thinking, you know, not everybody can stand on stage, not everybody can give the type of talks or or speeches that you do. Do, do you ever get do you ever get nervous, or do you, do you get yourself in, into the right mindset? Is is that how, how mm-hmm. it works for you, or is, is it just easy to give a talk? Um, I think the first, you know, 25 speeches, it's always you're trying to figure out what's the and it depends on the audience, too. You know, what's my target audience? What's the best way to, to frame the conversation? And uh, and then I hired, you know, I hired uh, coaches. I hired advisors. I had, uh, you know, I get videotaped and critiqued because when I became an author, I had to be on stage. Yeah. You know, and I joined the National Speakers Association, which is a fabulous forum to support all that so i as i evolved now we're going back far too long (laughs) like back in the 90s um i started um finding you know the the zone that i needed to be in and now uh i just i just show up and give a speech and um i it's exciting to me because you know i'm teaching and i love doing it but also i'm always um evolving my material with new research so to me it's always fun to um to have an audience um, have such a refreshing experience, you know, and new insights. Yeah. And I will say constantly throughout my speeches, have you heard this before? Have you, has anyone said this? Have you read this anywhere? And they're always like shaking their heads like, no, this is the first time. Yeah. And I like that because as a, as a professor, uh, you know, why teach something somebody already knows? You know, I'd rather, I'd rather just have epiphanies in my classroom <laughs> yeah no, absolutely and it, and it sounds like you've <clears throat> gone against the you know the status quo thinking around management and, and leadership development to to do things yeah. differently as well yeah i've been kicked out of a lot of consulting groups and um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't like me there <laughs> and so the, the, the influences in <clears throat> your life who, who's been an influence on you know the developments of your mindset and the way that you think? I think it's been um, early on. I think it were, were the teachers that um, helped me understand just the basic sciences so that you could have an analytical mindset. You know, in other words, to, you know, physics was a, was a fabulous area to explore and, and mathematics. And when I, so even though I was doing things that seemed to be totally unrelated, from working on nuclear missile guidance systems to, you know, automating the Harvard MIT biomedical lab, it all taught me how to think in uh, critical, analytical, exploratory ways. Right. And so, I think in terms of a mindset, if you have that kind of mindset, you can discover things that other people may not even think of asking yeah. questions about. And so, for me, it was that's helped me a lot. That background. Oh, that's, a, that's a great explanation. And, you know, you know, to, to develop your mindset, are there any practical tips that you use day to day to keep your mindset in check and in the right place? Yes, to always uh, remind myself I could be wrong in my mindset. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, yeah, it, I, I, I might got the right mindset right now. Yeah. yeah right. And it was interesting, the samurai research, um, their first chapter on death 
uh, I thought was somewhat provocative because there wasn't a lot of management training programs on how to duck properly. Yeah. But I began to realize, and then neurologically at Johns Hopkins, I was able to get some brain uh, uh, data on this, that um, death helps free you from the ego. And it allows you to be open to new things. So in a sense, it's almost like um, dying every day. In other words, what, what, what has to die inside yourself to allow you to move forward. Right. And yeah. so I don't, you know, I'm not a hundred percent perfect at this, but I do try to remind myself, like maybe that mindset got me here, but what has to die in that mindset to get me to the next level? Uh, that's, and, that's really interesting advice. You know, it, it, you know, some of the research that I've been doing more recently and, and looking at some of the leadership models has been around, you know, egoless leadership. So, you know, yeah. that's a, that's a, a great yeah. way of putting it. So, so, you know, from, you know, talking about mindsets and, and obviously being, being a writer and, and you've, you've written a, a number of books, is, is there an, another book on the way or are you focused on the Samurai one at the moment, the, the code of the CEO? No, actually, I have several books that, you know, it's been so busy. Um, a couple have been written several years or more ago, and one was on entrepreneurship. Okay. And so I'm hoping to have that um, kind of finalized and released over the next year. The other one was a spinoff from the genetic work we were doing in mammalian mating behaviors. And um, New York wouldn't publish it because it was too controversial and oh, okay. politically incorrect. But I ended up doing a, a subtopic called sex and leadership. And so I'm hoping <laughs> to have that released. And, um, and it really talks about how we evolved as a species. And then at what point when we became gender-based as a life form, yeah. how the genders affect how we interacted with each other. And, and why do we lead the way we do? Because, you know, we lead sometimes differently than other organisms. Yeah. And uh, so it's a fascinating book. I use a lot of work from Dr. David Buss, who's uh, the pioneer of evolutionary psychology. Yeah. In fact, yeah. I was talking to him the other day, like we were looking at maybe doing a book together. So, um, so I, yeah, I think this, this area of understanding how our, our, our work as a, as a species and, and becoming sex-based in terms of gender-based affected how we lead now wow. and um how we work so it's a fascinating study and uh so that's another book but more recently yeah um i was on the phone with um and this is this is funny because i don't know if you're familiar with simon sinek um yeah yeah start yeah, with why stuff yes yeah, so uh what what was interesting about um he turned me on to this guy, Dove Barron, who's a fabulous uh, leadership um, speaker and, and, and researcher in his own right. But Mark, but uh, Simon Sinek was coached by a guy named uh, Mark Levy. And um, Mark Levy's my coach. So Simon and I have the same coach. And uh, and was Mark Levy that turned me on to on Dove. So what happened in my last conversation with Dove, and that was a long-winded answer to your question, but I just want to acknowledge the sources of the people that you know, help me become, you know, greater. And it's always, it's always cool to do that. Uh, as I think um, he said that you really are, he says, your brand should be the leadership myth buster. And you should use that to pull everything together. And it hit me like, oh my God, he's right. Because when I do my speeches and even my articles and my books, 
I'm, I'm pulling out like, this is what you believe to be true. And let me show you why it's not. You know, wow. you think it's this, but the failure rates, have you, have you gone on to look at the failure rates academically? And because management theory fails about 70 to 90% from the 4 million articles published by the research institutes. It's a lot of, of failure wow. documentation. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, so for me, it was like, wow, yeah, I'm kind of busting myths. Yeah. And yeah, when crazy. I do it, so I think that's going to be the next book. Yeah. And uh, I think our working title is Exposed. I want to put together like 30 things that we believe to be true that yeah. aren't and oh, what to do is. about them. Yeah, so I'm having a lot of fun with that new project. Yeah, yeah that, sounds, that sounds good. That sounds good. And, and yeah. leading from there, you know, and, and the fun aspect of what you do, have you had any, uh, and I'm sure you've had many, uh, fun adventures or, you know, is, is there a fun story that you can share with, with the listeners? Oh, yeah, we've been, um, I always get delighted in visiting different, like, remote tribal regions. And um, let me find something that could be colorful but not, too politically incorrect. <laughs> I think I think one of the f I think one of the fun things that I did was having two two Soviet bloc guards laugh when we asked them for directions at the time when the Soviet bloc was collapsing, and we were totally lost because they had moved checkpoint Charlie, and I had snuck into the Soviet bloc. I like had this rental car that I rented in Austria. And it was a, okay. a long story. The whole block's collapsing. I wanted to study a civilization's collapse. And you can't do that every day because there's not that many collapsing every day. Yeah, but I yeah. thought this would be epic. And I wanted to get behind the scenes. And um, and at the time, what they, they should have arrested me as a capitalist spy that is now off wow. the transit route. They were there with their weapons. And they just looked at each other and just busted out laughing. It was like the world had changed so much, you know, and uh, maybe they still talk about it today. But we finally found a new checkpoint, Charlie, which was moved from a dark alley to like, I don't know, four or five lane uh, entrance. And the uh, I think there was a U.S. soldier was like, how did you get here? You know, I was like the first person yeah. through checkpoint Charlie. And, no and early, I had such a fun time. Yeah, that was that was cool. So I, I always get stuck in these I, weird situations. <laughs> I, I think I think you got lucky there. I think if they caught me, they would have thrown me yeah. away a lot. <laughs> There'd be right. no keys to be seen again. <laughs> be doing a podcast from Siberia. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so, so you know, to, just to to conclude, you know, you, you've shared some insights into the work that you do and the books that you you know you, you've written and, and that you're about to write and. Obviously, you're a speaker and you work with CEOs, you know, right across the globe. So, so what would be the, you know, the key advice that you'd give to the listeners? I think um, to continually challenge what we think is true, to understand something that could take us farther. When I, you know, when I look at leadership and CEOs, the most profound journeys are those that are willing to question and give up on what they thought was true and might have been. Yeah, to seek something next, to continue to question, because I think that's how leadership evolves. It doesn't evolve by worshiping the status quo yeah. and not yeah. changing. And that's the danger, I think, today is, and my, um, one of my colleagues um, was fabulous in helping me understand that, you know, our legacy 
our legacy beliefs cause us to react to problems in life with legacy solutions, and that doesn't serve us. Right. Brilliant advice. That's great. Mm -hmm. I do like that. I'm just taking that in. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, Don, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, it's been brilliant having you on. So, so many thanks. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. It's been brilliant having Don on the podcast today, talking about leadership and mindsets, the talent wars and ego leadership, and his research in his books as well. And tapping into his mindset about learning and continually teaching and thinking about your mindset that it could actually be wrong on a certain day. And that something needs to die in each of us every day. I really like that, really profound. And also to continually challenge what is true. So some brilliant insights from Don. And I'm going to leave you with this.